Are you all ready to up your drinking game? Absinthe Minded AZ is a pretty freaking amazing and super rare company. Absinthe is truly an acquired taste type of drink. People like Picasso, Hemingway, and Van Gogh were known to throw back a few. I mean, The Raven may have never been written if Edgar Allan Poe wasn't drinking this stuff. Who, by the way, was an artilleryman in the United States Army. Go Redlegs. This misunderstood spirit became legal again in the United States in 2007. And now you can try it for yourself here in AZ. Plus, co-owners Doc Ordovich and Justin Slusher are pretty cool dudes. Absence Minded is produced with 100% natural herbs based off of traditional formulations with variations to accommodate the palates of the modern drinker. Pour, sip, and enjoy. So if you want to find out more about this amazing company, go to their Facebook page or AbsenthemindedAZ.com. And their Instagram page is pretty dope. Um, where are you off to? I'm going to check out Alien Donuts. They are a funky, hip donut concept with planetary beats and out-of-this-world treats. They have vegan, gluten-free, classics, specialty, and space-themed donuts. Yum. What else do they got? They also offer nitro brew coffee, rocket shakes, and freshly made ice cream. And how can I find them, Crystal? Well, they are located in the heart of Old Town Scottsdale on 5th Avenue. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or AlienDonuts.com. Donut, stop believing! What you drinking? My favorite drink ever. Pistachio blended brew with a coffee base and a little extra shot of caffeine from Sweet's Cold Brew Coffee Company. Gotta get ready for that show, Crystal. And did you know that Sweet's Cold Brew is the first and only cold brew coffee shop in the state of Arizona? It's for rad people only. I'm rad. The only thing that would make them better is if they sold beer and wine. Funny you should say that. Just check out their menu at sweetsbrew.com. That's sweets with a Z in the middle. Uh, they also got an awesome Instagram page. Mmm, Catino Sauce Company has the sexiest, hottest, hot... Uh, <clears throat> no, no, that's all wrong. Hold on. Coutinho is the sexiest, hottest, hot, hot sauce. Damn it. That's all wrong. What no. are you doing? Trying to record this ad for Coutinho Sauce Company. Coutinho? You mean the best damn hot sauce on the planet with tons of flavors like jalapeno, habanero, chipotle, verde, and all kinds of others I can't pronounce. They also have amazing limited flavors like mango and blueberry. Yep, that's it. My favorite is Ghost. It makes my butt burn. <laughs> you gotta act fast though, because they're always selling out of that one. Okay. Just visit CatinoSauce.com for more flavors and customized bundles. Also, go ahead and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. My homeboy and CEO of Catino Sauce Company, Jacob, will appreciate that. Sweet Stash is a home-baked business specializing in cake pops, brownies, cakes, and more. Celebrate your special occasions with all of your favorite people. If we're at a party and they have Sweet Stash, I know where Mario will be. Buy the cake pop stand. To place your orders, check them out on Facebook or Instagram. Fallen! All right, all right, everybody take a seat, grab a drink, let's get this show started. All right, in three, two, one. Hello, Crystal. Hi. Uh, it's been a while since I made that little 
little intro, the little three, two, one. I know, I miss it. I know you missed it. That's why I brought it back. <laughs> I also uh, wanted to uh, showcase my talents and my skills for the introduction. We have a new guest. Yes, we do. We have uh, Joanna joining us today. Uh, welcome. Amazing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. You are amazing. Uh, but instead of having me or Crystal <laughs> talk about that, why don't we have you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background in the military, and, you know, just kind of what you're into. Sure. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> I'm pretty eclectic. Um, well, I'm a 42-year-old woman <laughs> who has empty-nested recently. I have three adult children. Um, I had them very young, um, based on um, the math there. <laughs> and because I was a teenage mom, I um, haphazardly ended up in the United States Marine Corps um, a few years after that. And I spent 10 years there, um, hoping to make it my career because I loved it so much, even though I had suffered a lot of traumatic experiences uh, becoming a Marine and, and some, some uh, experiences that I had serving as a woman Marine um, in a very misogynist, sex, sexist culture. Um, but I love being a Marine. Um, I'm very proud of that accomplishment. Um, and I, I hold the good very dearly to my heart. Um, I served uh, nearly 10 years. I deployed uh, to Iraq in 2003. Um, was a very fun year over there. Um, that was the same year um, I also lost my father, who uh, was my best friend and also a veteran of the United States Air Force, two-time tour to Vietnam. And he's also African-American, born in 1941, um, and lived before the Civil Rights Act um, became a thing and joined the United States Air Force as his integrative efforts into having the American dream. Uh, my mom is an immigrant from Korea, um, so I've had um, some very interesting life experiences. I'm from Northern California, uh, born and raised. Um, I've traveled all over the world being an Air Force brat and then again as a Marine. Um, and I've been out now um, since 2007, not by choice, um, by medical disability. And um, I've worked from that time till now um, in the veteran advocacy space. Um, I do a lot of nonprofit leadership um, is in my history. Um, and currently... Um, due to a lot of things that have happened um, in recent times in the news and our culture and in our country and in politics, I've really gotten on the court in that arena and co-founded an organization called Vets Forward um, with some other progressive veterans um, who didn't feel like they fit in the narrative anymore. Um, with how politics was using veterans. And we started really investigating legislation in states that really um, tout their veteran population or talk about being veteran-friendly and started to realize politicians that we trusted were actually voting against us 
um, not increasing budgets, even though money was coming in for veterans and not providing services um, that actually helped their veterans thrive, but instead were using us as statistical data to procure more funding. Well, um, real quick on that note, yeah. I, I and that's kind of where we met in, yeah. that, in that world. And so the only reason that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but the only reason I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of coming into the spot right now is because that's exactly where I was. And those are the things I was discovering. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, you know the organization. I mean, there's plenty of them that do this, but there's one specifically out there that was doing exactly what you're saying, right? And I happened to work for them for many years. Um, and so it's important for, for people to understand what you're, what you're actually saying. Um, everybody sees it, right? Um, I'll, I'll go out there and, and say it. I know you, I've known you for, I don't know, maybe six years, five years at least. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we might not see eye to eye, you know, politically sometimes. I think we've had some different discussions, but we've always seen eye to eye on the veterans. Um, and that's the important piece is that it's, it don't worry for the people listening. This is not an, a political agenda, right? No. This is nothing against Republicans or Democrats. They're all doing it. I mean, you, it's, it's a weird place to be in because you, you're right. You don't know who's on your side uh, when you're talking about veterans or any specific group, right? So it's, it's a tough one. So I just wanted to throw that in there for people to kind of have that, have that understanding that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, um, these issues are happening and they're real. Yeah, and it's, it's because people are chasing the money. They're not chasing to help veterans. And there was a lot of money. Um, you know, for the past 10 years, there's been a lot of money thrown at veterans to help them, and people just saw it as a money grab, and, and it was, ev it's, it's not, it's every side of the, um, political field, I mean, and when we talk about this one organization, the one thing that always sticks up in my mind is that they had posted something that was like, veteran unemployment is at a um, 10 year low and yeah. I was like um you guys have been a veteran employment organization for 10 years so what you're saying is you failed you have received millions of dollars and you have failed and yet you still continue to receive taxpayers money to continue to fail <laughs> so exactly. it, it's sad it makes me laugh because if I don't laugh, and I'll cry. And mention how much effort they spun, spent in those dollars ensuring that people like me and you guys don't have jobs when we are also veterans um, because they don't agree or align with the ideology of doing what's right for the actual veteran. Exactly. Talk about some dishonorable. Yeah. So, so, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't mean to go political. No, 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 no. Background on what I'm doing right now, and yeah, a lot of people translate that to to me suddenly becoming a hippie. But I'm just really about humanity. Yes. And I'm about storytelling and narratives that actually come from the individual, and not from an organization that chooses to spin it for their benefit. Yes. Um, and so that's kind of the space that I live and work in. And it's really important to me because it allows me to heal as a veteran 
um, in dealing with some of the trauma that I've experienced in my life, but it allows me to help move people forward when they can tap into their story, understand it, um, rearticulate it in a way that demonstrates how far they've come from that story and not to be defined by that story. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up in your intro because it it does relate to the topic that we're going to talk about today. And, you know, that was one of the reasons that, you know, I wanted you to come on as well, because this topic is very close to, and, and Crystal as well, as a female veteran, um, you yourself going through the things you've gone through. I know a little bit about that from you, from, you know, listening to you speak at certain events and just your background and following you on social media and conversations you and I have had, right? So I know what, what some of the things you've gone through. And it pertains to what's happening right now in our military, right? And so with yeah. that being said, I'll do the quick introduction for, for our, our show today, right? Today's episode is, you know, Dishonorable Mentions. Normally, for Dishonorable Mentions, we pick uh, a service member, a veteran, someone who used to be in the services. And it's not always the, the U.S. military. Uh, I've, I've got some folks in, in militaries in, in other countries. Uh, that have, you know, either, you know, murdered somebody, uh, committed atrocious, you know, um, events and, and acts and uh, or become serial killers, you know, things like that. And these are unforgettable, unforgivable human beings. Like you said earlier, it's not about politics, not about an organization. It's about being human. Right. Um, and so for this, um, we decided for the first time to actually pick a whole base. For this dishonorable mentions and since everything that's going on right now it's not just about this one person and we're talking about vanessa guillen right who, who was stationed out of fort hood but all the different events that have come out of that as well um, so we're choosing fort hood as this week's dishonorable mentions and uh, i know we're probably going to get a lot of um uh, a lot of shit talk come our way because they're like well, how, how dare you you know it's, it's a base it's I was there, you know, I, I love Fort Hood, and there's a lot of great things about it. I agree with that. But after listening to some of the things that, that we're going to talk about, um, there has to be some change, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll say it right now, I'm actually, I'm, I'm normally more on the conservative side when it comes to these things, protecting our history, but I do believe that a change of the name of the mm -hmm. base also needs to occur for many different reasons, which we'll get into. Um, so without further ado... Let's let's start. You guys ready? <laughs> yeah, let's you, go. You ladies, I'm ready. ready. All right. I'm ready. So I'll, I'll I'll start off real quick. We're we're gonna describe Fort Hood, mm -hmm. just so that people have an idea. People haven't been there. By the way, has anybody here visited Fort Hood or been stationed there? I I would say I did a drive through. I mean, it was like through. it was like a train. I've never been there. there and and you leave. And you were a Marine, obviously. You guys have what, like three bases? That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> to pick from, so but. Pretty um, much, and then. <laughs> yeah, so Fort Hood is essentially in the middle of Texas, right? It's right. It's just south of Dallas, just north of Austin, Texas, um, San Antonio, Houston to to each side, just southeast and southwest of Fort Hood. So it's literally right in the middle of all the the biggest cities of Texas, right? Um, Lake uh, Belton um, surround not surrounds it, but is right next to it to you know to its east valley. Uh, Killeen and uh, Hiker uh, Harker Heights are the two main little cities that kind of support it, and it's uh, got uh, Copper's Cove as well to the west, 
um, and then it's also close to Belton and Temple, all right? So that's the surrounding area. If you know Texas, if you know that area, then you, you kind of get an idea of where it's at, all right? So uh, it was established in 1942. It was used to test tanks uh, at the beginning, or right, right when we started, you know, getting to uh, World War II. Uh, but did you guys know, so the, the, the shenanigans starts back then. Oh, no. So 300 families uh, were uh, moved out in order to make way to build this base. Oh, no. So right off the bat, you're like, okay, so I don't know. Maybe they paid them. I don't know. Yeah, they, probably not. Probably, yeah. probably not. Well, they demolished three small towns, Clear oh, Creek, Elijah, and Antelope, in order to make way for this training base. So and right, what you was this? this was in 1942 by the time they finished it it was so this all happened in 1942 and 1943 wow so they could uh, was like one yeah. or two years old yeah. i know i was thinking about that because that was at the age that you mentioned your father yeah so yeah it was a, a very um crazy move obviously they needed a lot of space that was the the excuse they were using and i get it world war ii we and, and i guarantee you some of these people these families probably thought it was a patriotic thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so they probably willingly huh. moved and all that. And but it just kind of goes back to what you said, Joanna, that the, the the government will do whatever it takes to to tell people what it needs, what they need to hear, in order for them to get their way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, which is kind of like a violation of that famous amendment that everybody fights for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Um, so here's here's the part in. Here's the part that gets a little bit tricky as well. So it was named after Confederate General John Bell Hood. All right. So that's the name Fort Hood. Uh, in 1968, over 40 black GIs were court-martialed and jailed out of Fort Hood. You guys want to know why? Why? Or should we just go on? No, no. I need to know no. why. <laughs> so check this out. So this was the year that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in Chicago, um, obviously across the country, uh, I know there were some riots and there were some protests. There was a lot of different, obviously, uh, you know, um, people wanted to be heard. Um, and so these soldiers out of Fort Hood were sent to, not just them, but a bunch of other soldiers were sent to Chicago to kind of secure some of the suburbs and some of the cities from the rioters and from the protests, things like that, right? Well, these 40-something GIs decided that they weren't going to be part of that because, you know, they were black, obviously. They were proud of their their, their heritage, and they're like, look, a, a, a civil rights leader for our people just got murdered. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I should go and, and, and stop the protesters. Like, they probably wanted to protest themselves. Now, mm -hmm. I get it. You know, they're in the military. You should follow orders. But looking back on this now, you're like, they were court-martialed and jailed because they decided not, you're like you can't you can't just switch out their 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 duty station you can't change the orders i mean w and i think this is the beginning of when the military was like no we ordered you to do something it's like but you can order the uniform but you have to remember they're human wearing that uniform and if they Absolutely. step back in 19 when was this 1968 yeah or like 1968 they had stepped back and seen like this is different for our black soldiers or our black marines black soldiers um this is different for them than it might be for somebody else so they're processing this so the best thing to do is probably not 
you know, not to listen to them. Maybe to not, listen, in, yeah. Yeah, not involve them in yeah. that part. Listen to them and, and allow them this time to process because if the whole world's up in arms, the whole world is changing, the whole you know nation is trying to understand this new normal that we're trying to create, then of course people inside the army is going to have those feelings as well. Just like if there was a white person who was not adjusting to the new normal, to the new, was, you know, they needed to be taken back. They needed to be given an opportunity to be like, really? Let's think about what you're saying. You know, on both sides. It's like, so we can just heal because you have to take care of that person wearing the uniform. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They no. just put them in jail. So you want to hear the kicker? What's the kicker? So these were not just normal GIs that were in the military or because at that time, you know, there was a lot of resistance too from the black community. You know, Muhammad Ali had decided yeah, not Vietnam. to join the military, right? Um, because, you know, he felt that, you know, it, you know, it was oppressive and that the, the, the white man, as, as he called it, was using, you know, young black men, you know, uh, as, as pretty much, you know, to, to send them out for a, for a war that, you know, they weren't involved in, right, mm-hmm. according to him. And so there were a lot of uh, young black men that did not want to fight in the war. These were not deserters. These were not people that didn't want to be in the military. These were veterans of Vietnam, mm-hmm. and some of them were even wounded warriors. So yep. these were people that had already they were proven, heroes. They were heroes. They had proven themselves in this in in the military. It's not like they were just young guys that were like, nah, I don't want to do it because it's my political views and, and whatever. It, these were true men that had sacrificed for their already, country. Had already sacrificed for their country, and they're just like, can I, can we sit on the sidelines for this one? Because I, I I don't I don't want to stop my people from protesting. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be involved in that. Like, I'm not going to go do it, but I don't want to be involved in, in stopping them from, you know, their their right to protest. So it's one of those weird things. Like, I get it. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly everything that went on. But when you just hear that part of the story, you're like, there's got to be more to it, right? And especially when you think about how many people. That's just Fort Hood. I wonder what happened across the nation. Yeah. You know, in yeah, other bases. That's just one piece. And, you know, we, we know of some pretty interesting things that have happened in the military population. So there's that kind of civil unrest, and it's your people that are fighting for basic human rights in the country you reside and for the flag that you fight for. I mean, how could you not understand the personal turmoil that is going on inside of them? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so... Um, and we just we we just got so we haven't even really hit the just the, yeah <laughs> so just just for more history so at Fort Hood the Third uh, Army Corps resides First Cavalry Division 36th Engineer Brigade 13th Sustainment Command 89th MP Brigade 69th Air Defense uh, and the First Army Division of West which uh, switched out with Fourth ID in 2009 so for those of you that are you know followers or were at Fort Hood. Um, that switch happened. I know 4th ID is one of the biggest uh, infantry divisions out there. It used to be at Fort Hood, but uh, no longer there. So anyways, just a little bit of history for you history nerds. Uh, All right, so check this out. 2007, all right, I'm going to start talking about the incidents. I'm going to start talking about all the incidents leading up to Vanessa. All right, 2007, 
land nav. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I said, and this is just what we know. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is just what we know. Yes. And because I am lazy at researching, this is also only what Mario researched. So, <laughs> which is yeah. which is even less. So I'm 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 sure if I dig deeper, I can find a hundred more things, and then there's going to be stuff that we have never even heard of. Right. So 2007, land nav incident. All right. So you guys remember land navigation, right? You go out there, you try to find your point, you try mm -hmm. you get a map, you get a compass. Uh, apparently, Lawrence George uh, Sprader was found dead after a few days of being lost out uh, after a land nav exercise. So this guy goes out, or this unit goes out, does land nav. They don't. He goes missing for a few days. Nobody thinks like, "Hey, he's lost out somewhere at Fort Hood." Like, and and if I, I've been out there to Fort Hood. I forgot to mention that earlier. I was there for six months, uh, training for my first deployment. So I know how big it is. I know how big those land nav, um, 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 what do you call it, fields, you know, you can go 15, 18 miles out deep into the forest. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of space to get lost out there. Well, apparently. Did some lieutenant just like, remember like get lost from his academy in like three weeks or something? Oh, yeah. That Was that at Fort Hood? No, I think it was because I remember that being a story late last year. Oh, yeah. Well, there's lieutenants. Those lieutenants are always getting lost. Yeah. <laughs> they're lieutenants. <laughs> they're so cute. Little. There's some funny videos out there about lieutenants getting lost in land nav that I've... There's one video where a guy finds them like a lost puppy. Oh. And he, 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 like, leads them into his trunk, and he's, like, all cold. So he puts, like, blankets on him. He's like, here you go, little guy. Here you go. You're not, you're not lost anymore. We found you. We're going to take, oh. you your, gonna take you back to your unit. And he's, like, a little shivering little lieutenant. It's funny. Oh. But uh, so apparently this guy died of hyperthermia. Uh, Army investigation found out that there was misconduct by the trainers. So the trainers probably didn't know what they were doing. Uh, that's probably why he was missing for two days. Uh, there were judgment errors and procedural violations. They sent out over 3,000. This is uh, this might have to come back later on to, to haunt us a little. But over 3,000 people were sent out to search for this guy after three days. So I know what you're going to say. Vanessa took months and like I think two just over two months before they before even, they started looking. Yeah, so this is I know I get it. Over three thousand people searching for this guy. Uh, two dozen required medical attention after this because Jesus. Obviously, they didn't know what they were doing. So yeah. there's a lot of things there. There's a lot of things wrong with that picture, right? But that's oh why that's one incident. All right, two thousand nine. I'm gonna move quicker to these because if not, we're yeah, we're we could, we're, be, here we could be here all day. Yeah. 2009 shooting. Uh, this is Nidal Malik Hassan. He was a major at Fort Hood. This is the story. This was going to be the dishonorable mention that I was going to talk about, but instead we changed it to Fort Hood. So I won't get too much into his story, but if you guys remember, he's the one who killed 13 people and wounded 32 others uh, at Fort Hood. 2011 attack plot. Uh, PFC Nazar Jason Abdu. Uh, he went AWOL, and then he was picked up by the Killeen Police Department. Uh, apparently, he was planning on attacking uh, Fort Hood soldiers. Never went through with it, but uh, after some psychological testing, he's now spending the rest of his life in prison. So I don't know what that's about because he never did anything. He was just plotting to. So I don't know. That's that's a big one. Maybe so his plot was <laughs> Maybe it was. I, I didn't I look know. too yeah. much into it. But uh, 2014 shooting, Ivan Lopez, uh, an Iraq veteran. Uh, he went on a shooting spree on different locations at Fort Hood. Killed three people, wounded 16. Uh, in 2014, okay, check this one out. Ooh, this is a 
This one's going to get you uh, your blood boiling. So 2014 sexual assault prevention officer, Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen, was convicted of running a prostitution ring. Jesus. At Fort Hood. Oh, my gosh. These are the people that you go to. Yeah. I read about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the, the person that you're supposed to go that and trust, yeah. that trust is running a prostitution ring, um, victimizing more women. Or covering up for and his for his, for his his ring. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Think about it. Or any of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so, so when they um, started the SART program or, you know, I, I know everybody calls it something different, right. but um, basically they put, you know, this shit bag NCO or staff NCO in that position who was probably most likely an aggressor already or in it. And so now they get first rights to the complaints that are coming in and then they get to swing it or create their influential processes that don't allow that reporting to progress. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. When you say this, he was probably already some type of aggressor. You you can't be wrong, right? Because there's no way you go from zero to a hundred. Like he was, he went from running to, uh, I mean, I could say like, okay, he was. They gave him the operation tools. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't. You, you might say, okay, this guy, he was a normal guy, and then you know he got in a little bit of power, and maybe he started, you know, sexually, maybe not sexually assaulting, but sexually abusing people. Maybe he was saying, you know, speaking in 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 terms that weren't, you know, proper. Maybe he touched a woman, a female, or you know, things like that. And you're like, okay, I get it. That's wrong. But that's that's not abnormal, right? You a guy no. can go from that position to this position and say, "Look, I was wrong. I was messed up. I should have never touched her. I should have never been drinking with the troops, and you know, I should never put myself in that position. Or we, sh- you know, should have known better as a leader. Whatever you can say, all these things for that, right? But to go and run a prostitution ring, I mean, now you're talking operations. Now you're talking. He's gathering people around. I mean, you don't go from zero to that. So like the no. guy, like you said, he must have had something in his history there and either they didn't know about it which is stupid because i i would think they'd want to know someone's history if they're putting them in that position right or they turned a blind eye no so either or one they groomed him for that position yeah oh to there the you occult. go thank yeah. you i didn't even think about that but you're right if you had if you were in power and you knew that you'd been acting wrong toward females Mm-hmm. Are you going to get the guy who it goes by the rules that is, you know, that would be do that job justice? Or are you going to pick, oh, this guy's shady? Like, everyone knows the shady guy. Like, oh, yep. no, he's, he, he'll say what those women need to hear, and then he'll sweep it under the rug, and nothing will be done, and I'll protect this guy, and I'll protect myself at the same time. I would hope that they didn't know that he was – willing to run a prostitution ring though right i i I know that you know the military you know doesn't always operate in the best way right doesn't always have the soldiers uh you know uh best in mind but i would hate to think that they knew that he was running a prostitution ring the thing is is that i don't think it's that the military knew but it all comes down to that local you know that smallest level so it's the you know, I could say Major E would have looked out for 
Sergeant no, First right. Class H. Yes. And he would have picked mm-hmm. Sergeant First Class H because he knew he had his back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. That's what I think happened. And I, I agree with that. Like, I think, you know, it, it, it protects itself. I don't, I think they do these things without thinking, like, it, it won't go as far as what it went. They'll never, they never think that, right? But it could. The, the, mm-hmm. the problem is that when you pick people that are unqualified, it has the potential to go as far as starting a prostitution yeah. ring. Or when they see people just getting away with shit time and time again, they're like, well, why not? Why not? Like, this guy's running this prostitution ring, and as he's hooked me up with some girlfriends. Oh, well, uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, and, and the more that they do it, it's, it's again, we go back to just the uniform. If, if there wasn't a human in that uniform, everything would work perfectly. But we put humans in the uniform, and on the good side, the bad side, the victim side. And so the bad side is like, if you're getting three girlfriends for the weekend, you might look the other way. Oh, and That's yeah. true. You know? And the thing with criminal behavior is the, the lowest level criminal always escalates. You know, there, there's, there's steps. So if, if you're getting away at this level by doing these little minutia things, then you're like, all right, I'm going to graduate to the next level. Yeah, true. And then if they're still turning a blind eye, then you go a little bit higher. And then you get more greedy with that power. And this is why we are in the state that we're in currently. That's that's yeah. insane. But all right, look, I got a few more. <laughs> He's reading it's ahead. It's crazy. Specialist Shelby Tyler Jones, 20 years old, was found uh, dead by law enforcement with a gunshot wound on March 1st. Uh, specialist Christopher Wayne Sawyer, 29, was found unresponsive in his own post residence on March 5th. The Army, uh, Army's, uh, uh, what is that, CID, or Criminal Investigation Division, has not ruled out foul play. Another death was recorded on the same day. Raul Torres, 24, but cause of death is unknown. All right, Specialist Freddy uh, Beningo de la Cruz, Jr., 23, and Army veteran Shaquan Markel, 23, both were murdered in a triple killing March 14th at Colleen Apartment Complex, which Colleen's a city right out of Fort Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, this case is still under investigation. Uh, April 22nd, 2020, between 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m., 22-year-old PFC Vanessa Guillen was last seen in the parking lot of her regimental engineer squadron headquarters. Um, so she was uh, part of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment at Fort Hood. And this is Vanessa, who we're going to get into more later, uh, but I'm just kind of following the timeline. PFC Brandon Scott Rosencrantz, 27, was found murdered by gun violence on the side of the road, and his vehicle engulfed in flames three miles away from, uh, oh, just three miles away from the base. Private Second Class Gregory Waddell Morales had been confirmed missing and classified AWOL, when he failed to return to the base on August 20th, that status uh, was upgraded to desertion on September 19, 2019. It was reported that he was last seen driving his 2018 black Kia uh, Rio off post in Colleen on the night of August 19th, and last known contact was the day after. A family member did a search through Carfax and tracked down his car. It was learned that his car was in Dallas and in December to be inspected and then transferred back to the Fort Hood Colleen area in January. CID was called and confirmed they have the vehicle, but this person um, has still not been found. 
the FBI steps in. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's pretty much it for those. But uh, oh no, that's here we go. No, so crazy. Yeah, it had not been found at that point. So the FBI actually had to step in. So Gregory uh, remains were found in shallow graves. So I believe this is the one they just found while they were looking for Vanessa. Um, So his remains were found in a shallow grave on June 19th, 2020. Foul play suspected army investigations who are working with Colleen police are offering a reward of up to $25,000 for anyone who knows any information on Gregory's death. So he's been missing for almost two years now. Um, And he's the one that um, they found his body while they were searching for Vanessa's body. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that there's so many hidden dead bodies around Fort Hood that they go looking for one dead body and they discover another. I'm like, that is a problem. (laughs) Yeah, every time you unearth the ground, a skeleton appears. Yes, not, not Native Americans from... You know, 500 years ago, which happens in Arizona a lot, you know, construction, you'll you'll find, you know. Uh, Archaeology. Yeah. yeah, something like that. No, these are human bones from from 2018, <laughs> like 2017. Like, this was just all of these bodies, which shows that they weren't looking for him. They were not looking for him at all. Yeah, yeah. and like, what? I mean, I don't know, because I have no experience in the army um these stories are like unreal to me and and trust me believe me the marine corps and the navy have a lot of crazy stories i just feel like in the end more on that side um because we don't really hear a lot of this corruption in the air force they're really good at keeping their dark secrets yeah, but I just true. feel like NCIS and CID on the Marine Corps Navy side, like whenever they end up getting involved, like the shit gets broke open, and then like we have answers and results and stuff, you know, or like we're rounding up a whole damn base for yeah. a crazy human smuggling ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then oh, yeah. whenever you hear these things in the army, they get so convoluted there there's so much tape wrapped in these stories Mm -hmm. it's just like and you know the army's been around so long it's the biggest military infrastructure out of all the branches of services that you would think that based on that their efficiency might be a little bit better but they seem to be far worse like i even think about like the whole tragedy behind Pat Tillman and that cover Oh my god, that was like, awful. What is going on in the goddamn army? And then they're, they're the bases that named everything after Confederate soldiers. So it's like, what is in the underbelly of the army that's so dark? Well, yeah. I think that they're so big and they're not, They if they wanted to throw the money at um, some kind of system to, to stop these things from happening, they could. But I think they're so big that they don't put enough money into it that they um, end up creating more issues, right? And mm-hmm. then there's people that are probably involved that are like, look, I'm just here to do my job. I'm not going to do more than I have to, uh, especially with so many open cases or whatever's going on that I think people just do the minimum. I'm sure there's some great officers, enlisted personnel working you know, these issues to CID or whatever, and that want to do the right thing, but then there's also those people that you guys talked about that are put in place for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. maybe to to quiet things down a little, so or to 
you know, convolute the, the information so it's not it's not as simple, right? I don't know. I think it's... Well, I think, like, just at the basis level, like, when I was looking at things, I researched, like, how are these people going missing? Like, I didn't know that was an option. I did yeah, not know that right? you could just leave and they'd be like, oh, you got a bad mark on your credit. If you come from a maybe a rich family or something, maybe it's like, that's okay. You're, ju- you're just going to get a dishonorable discharge. And really... I've never, ever had anyone ask me what kind of um, discharge I got. I got an honorable one, but no one's asked me. No one's looked at paper. So they, like, it's almost like assume, like, oh, you can just leave. But the reality is, okay, these are not people that just disappeared. The, um, the guy that was found. Gregory. Gregory, when they were yeah. looking for Vanessa, he disappeared the day before his dis- his discharge. Yeah. Um started. Why? So you know Why? the day before his right. terminal leave. Why would he go AWOL? Why would exactly. you? Exactly. And if that they doesn't make no sense. Yeah. And then like if you just said, Okay, this looks suspicious. This isn't like a kid who's been ha- having a hard time, like, you know, and you've talked to his family. This doesn't sound right. It does it sounds suspicious. Or even if it doesn't sound suspicious, someone disappeared, for heaven's sake. This is, you know, with the technology we have, like, they they want to hide it. Like, the Army wants yeah. to hide it. Instead, just call the police and file a missing, person, missing person. Then they could go and easily get a judge. Like, with those two sentences, he's going on terminal leave. There's no reason for him to disappear. And he disappeared. Can we get... Um, uh, uh, what is that? When a they search warrant, a search warrant, yeah, and ping his phone and see where he's spending his credit cards. And when his credit cards haven't been used for two years, guess what? It's not an A wall. Yeah, <laughs> like how do people can't survive yeah, without like, technology now? You you can't go under the radar. So if you disappear, the first thing that you, people need to think of immediately is foul play yes people don't disappear anymore i'm sure as a lower enlisted he hadn't saved millions of dollars to survive off of cash yeah exactly i'm just assuming like where is his car where is his car for his family his family was able to find his car Mm. see that's the last 10 years of making your announcements on social media you know it's very easy to track and understand somebody's you know motions uh, and then to determine, okay, this is not normal. Yeah, it, it, you're right. You're absolutely right. That just from your normal social media, I just had, like I had taken like a little break, not even meaning to, but with everything going on, life is tough right now. And I hadn't noticed that I hadn't been posting. And I had, um, I work with a lot of pink sisters. And these speaking sisters, I had a couple of them reach out to me and be like, Crystal, I haven't seen any posts. How are you doing? And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that I hadn't posted. Yeah. I was just busy with work and just trying to get through this crazy, crazy time we're living in. And, I mean, something as simple as that, that women fighting cancer can tell when my social media is off. Yeah. <laughs> so how they want to check in on you. Yeah. Exactly. How, how can no one just pull these up and be like, yeah, this one does not look like the other. Yeah. So, now that brings us to Vanessa. Oh. 
the worst. So Vanessa, Guillen, uh, in case you don't know, um, this is the reason why all this, most of this attention started coming uh, towards Fort Hood. Uh, then, you know, they found uh, Gregory. Um, they're like, wait a minute, there's a lot going on here. So mm-hmm. People started coming out with all the different stuff. So all the things I just read to you that have happened in the, the last year or the bodies that have been found. Well, can you go over Vanessa's story? I am. That's oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. You're so I thought um, we were crazy no, over that. Okay. I'm just saying, like, this is what kind of brought us to Fort Hood okay. being mentioned uh, or being uh, picked as the dishonorable mention, right? Yeah. So Vanessa Guillen was 20 years old. Uh, she was killed on April 22nd, uh, uh, supposedly in a Fort Hood armory, is what they're mm-hmm. uh, what they're kind of thinking, right? Um, she was hit with a. Um, um, uh, some type of object. They think it may have been a wrench from from the armory. Like I said, not everything has come out yet, so this is what what we're hearing, right? Um, the suspected killer, specialist Aaron David Robinson, and I say suspected because um, he was suspected. Obviously, he hasn't gone to trial, and he won't go to trial because he shot himself the day they found her body. Guilty. So yeah, yeah. guilty. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't need to go to law school. Yeah. So the evil villain. Mm-hmm. Her body was found on June 30th by the Leon River, or Leon River, however you want to say it. You want to get Spanish, you can say Leon. Leon. River de Leon. But anyways, her body was found buried um, in a shallow grave and dismembered. So not only did, uh, and when I say they, um, I'll say right now why, because, you know, the specialist Aaron David, Robinson is the one who's being accused, but they also found his girlfriend had something to do with it. They don't know if she actually committed any of the crimes, but they they, they suspect that she helped him move her body out of the armory. So, girls, um, we got to take care of each other. If a man asks you to move another female's body, don't go to the fucking police. Yes, (laughs) do not hope that is not the sisterhood. Not only that, it's you know I just how horrific you know it's this man what he did to her was just horrific that they could not even identify her through her own dental records at 20 years old that disgusts me to no end yeah i mean everything's horrible about it and then as a family member i put myself in that position how would i feel if you know i found or somebody found my daughter dead, right? And that's that's horrible on its own. And then you tell me that, you know, maybe you add rape in there, and then you add that, oh, by the way, her body was dismembered, she was hit over the head with a, you know, um, heavy object, and you're like, so it wasn't even a quick death. There was all these things going on. She suffered. I mean, like I said, dying, <laughs> finding out that my daughter or my sister or anybody um, – uh, you know, is dead is, is bad enough. And I don't know why, but for me, like, it adds all these elements that they're talking about just adds to that. It makes oh, it even definitely. worse, right? It makes yeah. it it makes it worse to move on from that or to find peace, maybe I should say that. It, it's, it's horrific, and I haven't even experienced that, like, intimately, um, just, you know, through through these different stories. And it's just, it's heart-wrenching. Because it's it's a different kind of evil. I mean, in humanity, there's 
you know, there's all kinds of mistakes that happen and, and there's passion crimes and, and, and people do things accidentally, but for this kind of manifestation of violence, um, from the point that you decide that you have to kill somebody and then all the pieces that you have to put in after that and then the days after that, like, it's just like, what kind of, you're not a human being at that point in time. You're just not, and I can't believe you to be. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then with the girlfriend willingly helping him move the body and dig the graves, I mean, that's, I, I don't understand what kind of love is that. Yeah, that, but that comes from this, you know, crazy society that we live in, what people think is love or acceptance or inclusion is really, you know, mind control mm-hmm. on a whole nother level. Um, and it, it goes, it speaks to a lot of the mental health issues that exist in our country that have just been not taken care of forever to people, you know, living with trauma from their lives. Um, and just becoming, you know, these broken, I don't know, people out here. It's tough. I, I, I have a, a lot of different thoughts and opinions on, on, on this subject as well. When, when you talk about uh, these women, you mentioned this kind of mind control thing, right? So when I was at Fort Hood, and anybody who's been on a- any base, really, um, I think this goes for every branch, but you find a lot of single women or divorced women around these bases um, that followed these men, and I'm sure it happens the other way around too, but from what I saw mainly it was these females that followed these we- these men. Maybe they got married young, right? They were high school sweethearts, or they, mm-hmm. saw, they found each other somewhere else, and then they got divorced, right? And so you see them. Uh, running around the bases, and they, they, they need to take care of themselves or their, their children, and so they, they fall in love with another soldier, another Marine, airman, whatever the case might be, right? And so there's a, there's a culture there in the military that extends past the military, right? One, there's way too many divorces in the military, which, you know, um, I mean, I myself am, am a product of that. I'm not going to blame the military for that, you know, but it doesn't help when you don't have the resources uh, when you're traveling everywhere, when you're training, when you're doing all these things, right? Uh, and then you're trained to be strong, you know, and you're trained to do things a certain way and not talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it easy for, for anyone, including your spouse, right, or yourself to get that help. Um, I always have taken ownership of, of my divorce, you know, and, and I have a great relationship with my ex and, and my kids and everything else. And I always refuse to let the Army get in the way of, of that, you know, which is why after 11 years, you know, a part of it is I got out because I, I was doing a lot in the community. Um, I, I was trying to put my family first, which that was not the case before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, things are good now. Things are great now, you know, but not everybody's lucky enough to discover that about themselves. Um, and sometimes it's too late. So for me, it's also this culture that the military's created. Um, and and it's it's sad it's sad to see these males or females that were married to a soldier or a service member and now they have nothing you know they don't know what to do they're kind of lost because everything was taken care of while they were together um, yeah there's this romanticizing of 
marrying into the military. Um, and I don't know kind of where it started, but I, I'm sure, you know, we go back from the wars and, you know, all these beautiful, um, the war letters that the men wrote back to their wives back home and then their wives kind of running the call of the answer of what's going on the war to the homestead. And so then the military kind of adopts that culture. And in the beginning, it's great because they're very small, intimate communities. But um, I have this conversation a lot with families or people who are not in the military and they're trying to understand, like, our lifestyles. They're like, what, who are you guys on base? You know, like, what goes on? And I said, you know, when you think about life, most people, you know, they go to college or they go into trade or they get their job and they go to work. And, and some people immerse their work friends in their normal lives. They may meet their spouse at work, but that's not typical. Generally, people, you know, meet people in their social spaces and, and grow out there. The military is this special place where you don't have the opportunity to turn off your work environment. So that work yes. environment becomes everything to you, whether you like the fucking people or not. They're your family. They're your friends. They're the people that you have to have barbecues with. You know, they're, they're everything to you. And so, as a dependent, I can only imagine that once you enter that system and you are relegated most times as a military spouse, because even myself as a non-traditional woman military member, civilian husband, my husband had to take that homestead role because my mission was the Marine Corps' mission, regardless of my gender. Mm -hmm. And so... When you get an opportunity to live that life, and I don't want to call it coasting because it is very difficult to be a military spouse, um, but there's no other complex that you can enter like that. And then to lose that is as detrimental as what we know to the military community at the rate of suicide once we hit the civilian world. There's going to be that same exact loss of connection for those dependents. And that's why a lot of, it's more women, not men, because there are not a lot of civilian men that marry into military women life. But those women don't want to lose that. Even on the outside, as a veteran, when I worked at ASU, I'll tell you a real quick story because it's relevant. But this lady, that she was a young lady who worked for the university. And she helped us a lot in the Veterans Center. Then I noticed she kept being enamored by different veterans that worked in the Tillman Center. And, you know, she'd shoot her shot. She finally, after several day, dating different veteran males, she got a hold of one and, and he married her. And he was still in the service. He got to come out and go to school and go back. And now she's living that life and everything she projects is that life. You know, so people in America specifically really are identity seekers. They need an identity. They need a cult. They need that. So once you get in that military cult, man, it, it's hard to break away from. And, and so I have that compassion towards that women that enter that complex because most of the time they enter it very young. Um, and very manipulated too, and so we just have to have a little bit more compassion. But the problem is, is that we don't discuss all those things. 
you talk about like the accuracy and like what are you know let's put a band-aid on it but we need to kind of reverse engineer the culture and be like okay why why are these things happening why are young service members so quick to go out and get married when you know it's probably not a good idea but it's the way the culture talks about things like this um it's this animal like even at boot camp like because men and women are separated at marine corps training completely and i remember i'm sorry my watch and i remember that um you know they kept saying stay away from from male recruits you know and this and that but then anytime you walked by a male battalion as female recruits we could hear them saying like nasty stuff about us like oh look at the nasties over there so they're already like embedding this idea in you at boot camp like women marines are trouble stay the fuck away from them same thing so what happens when you tell young people to stay the fuck away from something they want to fuck it more you know they want to get it more <laughs> like so it's like you create this psychology that's just so fucked up you know and then we're all young and full of emotions and testosterone and like you know this whole like idea of playing war games and it just takes everything to a whole nother height but then there's never this like real life conversation there's not psychology you know um integrated into what we're doing it's just do this and do it now and you hope you'll be alive afterwards absolutely i think the military moved forward with the idea of of equal um jobs for the for women in the military allowing women in the military right when they when they started um allowing women into combat roles things like that but they never even that era yeah in the late 90s support of combat role integration right mm-hmm. but ne- but they never they, like you said they never developed like a psychological program for that because now men nope. men who have typically never worked with with women at at this point in in the military in 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 especially these roles now have to from one day to the next they were allowed in and all the things you mentioned and stories crystal has told me as well from boot camp and um, and all of a sudden, from one day to the next, they expect these guys that listen. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that. Look, it, we're we're all the smartest people in the world. We all know ourselves, <laughs> you know, deeply, and and we 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 value, you know, these these thoughts, and and we value change and all that. I can't I can't sit here and tell you that. I'm including myself in that, right? We need yeah. to be led, right? We need to be taught these things, right? We don't learn. And if you do have these emotions, if you do have these emotions of like maybe I should treat people better, they're they're pushed away through the military, right? Where you're like, no, listen, you you treat people like this, right? You don't show emotion, you don't you're not supposed to smile, you're not supposed to have fun, you're not supposed to goof around, right? This is one of the reasons I used to get in trouble all the time for goofing around and and and, and you know maybe not acting, you know, in air quotes, I'm putting air quotes out, acting like a professional <laughs> soldier. And I'm yeah. like, but but that's who I am, right? And so they take this identity away from you. So you can't pretend like these people are gonna know how to act when you when you make them, you know, put them together and say, okay, now you know, Congress or whoever has said we need to all play nice. So here you go, play nice. Oh, and by the way, we're gonna continue to teach you guys, the males, the same things we were teaching you before. But you're supposed to act differently. Like even mm-hmm. though we're teaching you one thing, don't do. It's kind of like don't do what I, you know, do what I say, don't do what I do. Yeah. Like I have to yeah. give you this PowerPoint. Yeah. Wink, wink. 
right. but yeah. carry on. But carry on right? <laughs> and and that's not fair to anybody, right? It's it's also not fair to those young men because they're young. Most of them are young, right? Um, I was 23 when I joined, and I was old. You know, <laughs> I mean, and so I mean, according to them, and they've been taught yeah. this. So I can I like what you had said. It's like uh, you had said, you know, we have to be understanding, and it's like I can understand. I I can see where these men were taught this very toxic masculinity. Like, this is what you got to be. And if you deviate from it, you're going to get mocked. You're going to get made fun of until you get back in line. And then all of a sudden they started adding um, females and no one talked about the pink elephant in the room. Like, nobody said, look, guys, it's okay to be weirded out. It's okay. Who has been told by their drill sergeants this? Like, it's not okay that they said that, but it's okay to say, this is where I'm coming from. Like, I think Mario has a great example that he never saw females. He was in combat um, role his whole time until he came over to public affairs where it's predominantly women. And then it's like, and it was also weird because he had never seen higher ranking people. The most he saw was his captain. Yeah, I mean, and you, in, as an artillery unit, like, you, if you yeah. saw your captain, you were either in trouble or you are getting an yeah. award. Yeah, you know? and and then now we're around generals, and, like, to me, I've always been around generals, so I never knew that that was weird, because, I, to me, it was a pain in the ass, because then you had to really tape it down to a T, <laughs> and, you know, act proper, But and so I always hated it being around them, but it's, so it's the same thing, it's like, if we, if they would just talk and realize these people are humans, you cannot treat people like they're just uniforms. This is why yeah. we have 22 a day. It is not because of anything they're going through. It is because of leadership, toxic leadership. That's a whole nother program. That's a whole other show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could go on and on about the toxic leadership in the military but complex. I, I'd also like to just kind of say this as well for the whole toxic masculinity thing like Mm. i don't think there's a problem with being a male like being masculine right for me but it's there's all because here's the thing i've always been an artist as well Mm -hmm. i love drawing i love artwork Uh, i can't sing but i love music i love theater i love i love movies and and the reason i mention that is because these are typically things that are frowned upon in the military right um i stopped drawing um, for for a long time because uh, I was in the military and it kind of it wasn't you know the thing to do so I kind of yeah, unless put, it was skull and bones yes, yes. absolutely and it's yes. funny you say that because for for basic training I was picked as the platoon artist so I have paintings that I did on on which is cool by the way I love skull and bones and all that 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 was before the military I just have a weird mind right <laughs> uh, but I also love flowers I do I, I, I admire artists that can paint a flower in like five seconds with like two strokes right like yeah I, I see the technique like I admire art as a whole like so, you had to suppress your your sensitivity Mario mm-hmm. yeah I guess I, I mean and for me I never thought that was a, a sensitivity thing and, and until I was in the military so and but even then even drawing even if a skull and bones and and tanks and weapons were a cool thing to draw I still got away from it because it's kind of like well if I can't just be open with with my artwork yeah. then I'm just gonna kind of put it away right 
And it wasn't even like I thought about it. I just didn't do it. It just happened automatically. And it wasn't until I left. And, and Crystal knows because she's probably seen me do more artwork in the past five yeah. years since I got out than I ever did before that. Yeah. And, um, you know, with the exception of a few things. But honestly, like for those 10 years, like as little artwork as I created, imagine what it could have been had I not been in the military right now. I don't regret Absolutely. anything. Yeah. But I do believe now here's the fun part, too. I love being the goofy guy that nobody thinks can be a tough guy because then yeah. when, I, when i am a tough guy they're like oh shit like this guy can do both like it's okay yes it's okay to yeah. be like man i love combatives because i always have been a very physical guy i love sports and i love com- i love competing against another man right i love competing against another human who i can test my skills um that might kick your ass but you might kick your oh ass. yeah but, and, but yes. There's, yes there's a chance i mean you know when i when I, as i got older towards the end of my career I got a little bit heavier, right? I stopped caring so much about like my running, especially, right? So, but I was still in shape. Um, I just gained a little bit of weight. So when I did combatives tournaments, right, I happened to qualify like just right at the tipping point of heavyweight. So I may have been 215 pounds, but um, most real heavyweights were 250 pounds, 260 pounds, a lot bigger than me, right? And I was still willing to get in there and fight just because I found it fun, right? And there was a lot of uh, masculinity in in the locker rooms and stuff like that, right? But then afterwards, I was still being goofy guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I was still wanting to be that, that funny comedian guy. And a lot of times, I got in trouble in the military. And that's one of the things that kind of led me to, you know, there were many uh, factors. But that was one of them, too, that I couldn't really be myself. And I had leaders that would look down on me. I think, you know, I may have even passed, been passed for promotion a few times because of those qualities, right? I was the, the, the guy that made people laugh and people hated that. People mm-hmm. hated that I was the guy that was, you know, in the middle of a circle and everybody was laughing at the things I was saying, right? Mm-hmm. And they were over there trying to plot and, you know, plot and plan and, and do military shit. And you're like, you're wasting time. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, we're just having fun. Do you realize that if you maybe take 20 minutes um, and have a little bit of fun, that maybe your soldiers might actually their workflow might improve. Did you ever think about yeah. that? It's like, called morale. It's yes. like written into all of our creeds. But but morale, but they want to they want to shove it down your throat. You know when they want to do it. We used to have a commander that used to make us do fun stuff, but we hated being around him and the leadership. That we used to call it mandatory fun days. Oh um, yeah, we all call it that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Which you're like, it shouldn't. It should never be considered man listen if you're if you're in touch with yourself and you're a commander and you're like look i don't think i'm the most fun person to be around and i my troops don't necessarily like being around me for whatever reason but i i'm i'm, I'm a good commander they just for some reason don't want to be around me i might if i if i was smart enough to see that i could say you know what i'm going to sit this one out and let them have fun yeah but you have yeah. to be involved because your ego is in check and you're like i can't believe they don't like me that's not true i'm going to change their mind we're, we're going to play yeah. a game and we're all gonna fall in love with me. And you're like, yeah, no, man. No. You you have to you have to step aside sometimes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at, at my current job, you know, I'm an operations manager, and I know that you know I I'm I used to be a fun guy around the troops, but I can't be that person for my employees now. Uh, yeah. I know that I have to step aside. I have to say, hey, you guys, here, take 20 minutes, take 30 minutes breaks. I'm gonna buy you guys lunch, but I'm gonna let you guys have fun and talk amongst yourselves, say whatever you want to say. I don't need to be involved, right? I don't need you guys to love me. I just need you guys to work. And if and if that boosts morale, that's great. But you don't need to be involved. And some of these people's egos get in the way that you're like, 
you know, these mandatory fun things that you're making us do, like, they're making things worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just a check in the box. And I think, yeah. like, to go back to what you said about, you know, you don't think it's wrong to have masculinity in the service, and and it's not. And so, I mean, there's, there's so much to dissect when it comes to general roles in general. But what we do know is that any human being no matter their sex, is capable mm-hmm. of being a military member and answering a call and do, and being trained and prepared to do whatever that call needs to be. Um, but you have to make it, you know, a foundational platform that is equal and even for everybody as a starting point. Um, and as women, we've been so far, we're so far behind in steps that, you know, there's always these big leaps that we have to take that create even more, you know, dissension amongst the ranks. Um, but what I challenge a lot of my military brethren in today's world, when I talk to people who have served men, specifically white men who feel really attacked, is that I always go back to the sentiment, when we know better, we do better. And nobody's trying to strip away what the military stands for. What we're trying to do is hold it to the esteem that it claims it yeah. represents. And in order for you to be, to feel like a man is to marginalize or disenfranchise another human being because they're not the same kind of man you are, then you have a problem that you need to address as to why that part of your identity is so important to your mask because mm-hmm. it is a mask. And so what ha- why we have so many problems with transitioning veterans is that we come into the service masked, then we're told to layer on all these other masks, you suppress who you are supposed to be to fulfill your life design and then when it's time to leave you're just you're in disarray and it's very hard to unpack at that point but imagine a military where we bring these people in and let them be who they are and dream the way that they want imagine the advancements we would have in our military imagine the communication improvements we would have Imagine the cohesive uh, respect we would have between men and women. I always, it always concerns me when a male veteran talks about women veterans so negatively, but then has a wife and daughters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, oh, you're, now you're talking me, Crystal's language. <laughs> oh, God, it makes me feel innately oh sad. Um, and so as a man, I know we've lived in this world for a long time where this like you know chauvinistic kind of male whatever was like you know the madman error and all that you know there's this romanticism to that but it's wrong <laughs> i mean yeah. if you just dial it back and dice it, it's fucking wrong so if that's the kind of man you need to be to feel like a man then i feel so fucking sorry for you and at the same time it's 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 sad 
that when they decided to bring women and drugs to be the support, the supportive element during World War II, that the first thought that these men had was like, oh, shit, these women are going to tell on us. They're going to tell our wives that we fuck off when we go to ports and we do all this. <laughs> yes. So that's what started the bullshit against women in the service. And then, pit, and then the psychology of them having the audacity to pit us against each other, and it fucking worked. Yeah. Because we have to be in competition with not just them, but then the women. And it sickens me to my core in, like, my first couple of years. Thankfully, I had great women around me. But there are times that I've treated women poorly because a man motivated me to do so. Um, and I have great shame for those moments in time. We and all so, have that. Like, because you yeah. had to be a bitch. You had to be exactly. a bitch. Exactly. And, yeah. and I, thankfully, I was never at that level that I could, you know, could boss anyone around. I never got to that. But so many higher ranking people, women have told me, and I could see it. And growing up, I was like, what is wrong with these women? Oh, my God. And now that I'm their age and I'm looking back, it's like, God damn, it must have been hard. Like they had to just treat people women men like they could they were you talk about mass they were just mass 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 yeah just covering up and trying and i love how your idea is like if we all come in it doesn't like like when we when i say toxic masculinity i have no issues with masculinity there are guys no. who just like like you're Robert do, Redford. Yes. You know? You're <laughs> Yeah. It's like, that's fine. It's like when you start looking down on females, like a female can never take pride in the military of being a girly girl. And and when I no. say a girly girl, you can wear makeup and be cute on Saturday and on Monday be a badass in your uniform. But our new generation, which I'm really excited about, I think they're demanding to have both sides, but God, we could not do that. Oh, you, no. Oh. And I love it. I'm all here for it. I'm a part of a women's group where it's like Semper Fresh makeup, you know, and they yeah. talk about makeup that they do in the service, but that was the kind of girl I was. I was, I always grew up as a tomboy. I was very masculine in my energy and mm -hmm. athleticism. But I have always, and you guys know me, I am a girl to the core. Yes. Like, I've I seen your stories about your mom, your mom yeah, teaching it, your makeup. <laughs> yeah, it's just so a part of me. And so I brought that into the service. And I can't tell you how many people tried to ridicule me or, you know, put me in this box. Um, and then I would show and prove them wrong, you know, through my work ethic and my PT and all those things. But it was like another layer. I couldn't just be me, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's what happened. It's like there's nothing wrong with femininity. There's nothing wrong with masculinity until you think it's superior to the other. Exactly. And or then, that I need to infringe yeah. it on somebody yeah, or, or that, use it. Exactly. Or that a female wants to be masculine or, a, you know, a masculine guy wants to show the softer side. It's like, again, let's go back to... It is humans wearing that uniform. It's not just a standalone uniform that you exactly. can put on. Until if we, not, we'd be a bunch of robots. And, right. And, you know. 
I was just about to say that until we get cyborgs to take our place, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So Turbo I, loved, Nerd <laughs> I loved hearing this conversation. I know we, you know, and it, and it all blends in together. The reason why this comes up is because Vanessa, I believe, and all the other females that, that have been either missing or murdered, including the men, obviously, but when we get into the female topic, um, they're victims of, of a lot of this, right? They're victims of, of people not wanting to maybe look for them because they, they think negative thoughts before they think, oh, maybe this person's missing, right? They think, well, mm-hmm. that person may have gone AWOL because she couldn't handle it. And that, that thought is, is horrible. If, I was, if that was my daughter, my sister, or family member, I'd be like, why aren't you looking for this person, right? And, th- and I think it all kind of comes back to, you know, there is uh, this, this, this dark past, this history. There's this uh, culture in the military that I agree needs to change. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, Fort Hood, uh, you know, they are the dishonorable mention because of all the, the, the shit that's come up lately, the, all the stuff in its, in its history and its past. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that a fresh start with a fresh new name um, and obviously the culture. You can't just paint over something over an old building yeah. and make sure and, and think that it's new and it's going to change, right? But at least that would show some kind of um, commitment to change. I believe that if you if you want to really change it, you know, might as well do the whole shebang, right? Um, so that's kind of where I stand. I know that's probably not a very popular uh, point of view. Um, I don't think that a lot of things we've talked about today. Um, are a very popular point of view with with a lot of uh, people in the military and veterans and the people that listen to my show, you know, for the most part. Um, I don't know what they're going to think about this. You know, uh, honestly, obviously, I respect the listeners, but I really don't care if they disagree with this, right? I would like to have a conversation. If somebody does disagree with some of this, that's great. Let's have a conversation about it. Tell me otherwise. Tell me why you don't believe there's an issue in the military, right? And we'll sit and we'll talk. I don't agree with everybody that we talk about. I don't agree with even some of the subjects I've talked about in the past, but we're not afraid to cover them on the show. Um, so this one in particular um, was very special, I think, because uh, enough is enough, right? We're, we're seeing, and everything that's going on around the world too, not just in the military, I think that people are seeing, you know, change is close or it can be close, right? If our leadership... Um, does the right thing and I'm talking about from the top you know I'm talking about from the president you know all the way down um, I know that they're not going to get involved in, in small things like this but the culture has to start from the top down right um, yeah and and the way I see it as far as like just like you said you can't just you know change the, the dress on something but it, what we're doing is is kind of it's more to me I feel like a recreation you know, we keep saying that, oh, we're going to take another step forward. But if you don't figure out, like, the issue, just like with trauma, if you don't get down to the root of your issue, you're never really going to really overcome that trauma. Those triggers will have control of you. And so if we dial these arenas back to their start, just like how you talked about how they disrupted communities, um, whom they named these bases after. It's like a, it's like you instill this layer of toxic evil 
into the fabric of what you're creating. And that's not what we were supposed to do post-revolution, you know. It was supposed to be this, now we have this new awakening, this new enlightenment of life, but then so many people wanted to hold on to that negative past. And because we never severed those ties, these intricacies of the past, the ghosts and spirits and all these things, even they they're in the underbelly there so it's like yeah you need to have this resurrection where you kind of burn down that historical establishment because it should have never built been built on that right and and figure out a new foundation right it's not that hard we're fucking america we did it after 9-11 but then we lost sight of that but it's like find our new foundation that's inclusive of all of us, of the communities that are around those bases. Bases should be like churches, which churches don't do their part in their community. Well, that's a whole other, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, but I mean, this is what we, we created these to create infrastructure and liveliness and community and safety, but instead we're, you know, making water toxic. For military infrastructure we're giving people cancer we're kicking them out of their homes like you can't build this beautiful infrastructure that you call the united states military for our freedom but yet we are suffocating the freedom of our own people here yeah. to do that protecting that freedom so yeah. i think to start off um i'm going to say it here now i've heard this this isn't me coming up with this but i i agree with this idea um, to rename Fort Hood after Roy Benavides, Sergeant First Class, or I believe Master Sergeant Roy Benavides. Um, for those that don't know who this is, he was a Hispanic, uh, also Native American um, Master Sergeant. I don't Sergeant. know why all Texas huh? are not named after Hispanics. In, 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 in Texas? I mean, he's from Texas. He's a, yeah. a Medal of Honor recipient. He, um, he gave, uh, he actually, he, he gave his life, but he, he, didn't, he didn't pass away from his wounds, but he, he actually, well, he, he kind of did, and then he came back, like, twice. Uh, I mean, this guy is like a Superman. Like, in Vietnam, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, you can, people can read about, uh, about him more uh, on their own, but Roy Benavides. In Vietnam, he was a Special Forces soldier, um, stayed behind after uh, some of the troops were stuck uh, or pinned down, and the helicopter that came for uh, the medevac, had taken a few of the people and they had to leave because they were uh, pinned down under fire and they couldn't be in that spot. And he said, I'll wait here and provide cover for them. So he provided cover for them. So essentially he saved those men by providing cover. Then he also saved them just like Forrest Gump, literally dragged one by one out to the, meta the new medevac area where he got multiple wounds to his head, body, torso, legs, everywhere. Finally, when he threw the last person on the helicopter, he fell over and landed on top of them, and they took off. And he was pronounced dead twice on the helicopter ride to to the, the hospital. Uh, after that, he, he got sent back to the States. Uh, he couldn't walk, and they said, you'll never walk again. Uh, he proved them wrong after only like six months. Uh, he made himself, like he would say, he, and there's a book about it, and um, I encourage people to read that book. He would talk about how he would be literally crying in the middle of the night. Uh, because he was in so much pain, but he was forcing himself to learn how to walk again. Oh, my God. And after that, guess what? He went back to 
uh, Vietnam. No, he didn't. A year later. Yes, he oh, did. my gosh. So, I mean, talk about a badass, right? That's a hero. He's a native. Yes. He's a native of, of Texas. He's Hispanic. He's Native American. Uh, I'm just saying there's there's a lot of criteria there that matches the, the culture, the community, someone to look up to. Um, honestly, I don't know why we named bases after Confederate uh, uh, generals. When, think about naming a base after Osama bin Laden or an enemy of the country. I mean, essentially, they were an enemy of our country, correct? Am I, am I wrong? Yeah. Or, I mean, and, <laughs> and we were kind enough to allow them asylum after their traitorous. Right. I'm just saying <laughs> it's true. I mean, if we, if we want to be black and white, that's, that's what it is. It's either you're either a traitor or you're not. And, and they were, right? I'm just saying. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, uh, my my vote is we, we name it after him. Uh, makes the most sense. So I just wanted to throw that out there right now. So in case it does happen, I can say I, I said it here first. Uh, but Yeah, and I did some research because I just got into so many arguments with people about the preservation of history. And so to take it away from the black-white is so many white people have trouble with and I don't like to get into those fights too often for my mental health being. I, I, I did as much research as I could, and I can't find a single Union celebratory monument anywhere. So if the <laughs> argument is that, you know, we're erasing history, no, then let's change them all to depict the Union victory, which is what this country should be celebrating. But we moved, you know, we moved away from that. We progressed. We went to other wars. We forgot about that because we didn't celebrate the Union. But then here come the Daughters of the Confederacy in the late 60s (laughs) with all these artifacts of hate during the Civil Rights Act. Right. And that's the point. That's the point. Yeah. I'm I'm a big historian guy. So I'm I'm one of those people that you may have uh, gotten an argument with uh, a while back because I'm like, look, I'm, I'm all about history. And also, I don't want people just going around defacing things, you know, whether they're right or wrong, it's, it's illegal. But when I learned that all, a lot of these things happened during the civil rights movement, you're like, this was done on purpose to, to yeah. almost like a fuck you to the civil yep. rights movement and saying, you know what, we're still here. And a lot of these statutes, honestly, from, you know, from what I'm seeing, the reason why they're falling apart so quickly and people are knocking them down is because they weren't made very well because they were meant to go up quickly not last not last forever right so they're exactly. hollow they're they're made out of cheap materials it was it was a it, it was essentially a big fuck you during that time so it's not like they even went erect at the right after the war and say look we're going to honor our fallen we're going to honor our generals in in you know in the in the late 1800s nope they waited till nope. the civil yeah. rights movement to say and so for me i'm like okay uh, i mean there should be some laws to protect that because uh, essentially even if you have statues of good people uh, you want to protect those statutes as well, right? So you want to be fair to all. So at this point, we're kind of in this weird situation where, like, how do we go about creating change without chaos? Without because I saw a guy fall off of uh, a monument. Oh, honey, and, there's no change in America that's <laughs> ever happened without chaos. Yeah, and I get that. I get that. And trust me, as a guy, we're as so a, wild. I know, as a guy that that loves the chaos, like as a family man, I don't want a civil war, right? Yeah, it's it's hard because you can't imagine what that looks like for us in the modern day. I get it. But I but 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 there's a part of me and I don't know if this is my my Hispanic culture, the fire that's inside of me. I love it. But but there's a part of me that's always been 
about chaos and about the, the you know the I know the the joke is you know the zombie uh, zombie apocalypse you know let it come uh, I'm ready for it you know I'll take care of my family because part of us I think want that we want a sort of chaotic world you know a lot of uh, uh, men and women that been in these situations, I, 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 there's no other way to explain why we would want that. But yeah, trust me. I mean, people don't even know that Cesar Chavez was a veteran. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of history there, and the other part too is that people just don't understand history, um, and so I think that creates a lot of chaos too because people people will just start saying things without understanding. The history of, of where this came to be or why these statues were even you know put up in the first place and so there's a lot of education and I think that you know people go to school and they learn about math and learn English and writing and all this other stuff and all these studies and they spend a lot of time you know studying things but then history is always kind of put to the side but I think history is one of our most important topics um, if you can start with that and then you can add a little bit of humanity to each person I think we that would go a long way. We're doing a great show today. I love this. I love the topic. I, I know we covered a lot of different little things. We got two smart women on here. We can't cover them all. Yeah, and Crystal's here too. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. That's all back up. Like I said, I this is not my normal. Um, you know, I, I I myself am always looking to um, change or become a better person. Um, I, I want to be right. You know, I want to, I mean, don't we all, but I don't want to be right just because of something that I, that I was taught, something that was kind of uh, built inside of me because I belonged to a certain group, right? I want to be right because I want to be right. Like, I want to know things. I want to know the history. I want to know why things are the way they are. And sometimes they don't fit the narrative of the groups we belong to. And, and I'm yeah. okay with that. I'm okay with not, you know, uh, you know, not always having conservative views and, I'm like I think Crystal put it best, you know, and I think we kind of both fit this category. Like fiscally, we're you know conservative, you know, we want to be fiscally responsible uh, with uh, with our money, with the nation's money, with things that we do, you know, the way the the our taxes are spent, you know. But socially, we're pretty liberal, right? We're mm -hmm. we want people to be happy. We want people to have their rights. I'm not going to interfere in anybody's um, uh, rights to live a, a a healthy and good life. It doesn't matter that, you know, how I was brought up, you know, I was brought up Catholic. So you can imagine, like, some of the points of views from the church, you know, don't necessarily align with my point of views now. Like, and, you know, if, if they if they knew the things that, that I thought or I was okay with, you know, you, you can't really belong to, to certain churches. And so that kind of sucks. Well, they'd be like, well, dunking you in the holy water, brother. Exactly, right? Or it's like, <laughs> we're, we're all kind of voting when, to dunk him in the holy water. I mean, when... when <laughs> When it comes to abortion, all these things, I'm for me, I'm very liberal on those things. I'm like, you do what you want to or need to do for you to be happy or live a better life, right? Um, you know, yeah. Don't make me do the things that you, that you want to do, but I will support you. And so those aren't necessarily popular views either because a lot of people are like, no, well, you got to go one or the other. You, you either yeah. have these views or, or you don't have them at all. And I'm like, no, you, you can't. That's not, that's not how most people think. I think everyone has different ideas, different thoughts. I can be conservative in one side. I can be liberal on another side, mm -hmm. um, and and that's okay, right? And so, yeah. Even if like from the beginning, this the name of the show is Fallen Three Sixty, right? Obviously, fall in in the military, fall in, you know, come gather around, get information. I need your attention. Three Sixties because I wanted to be able to cover everything, right? 
um, this being a veteran or law enforcement or that kind of show, that's the kind of audience I have, you would think like, well, then they're probably, the, your best shot at this is you just remain conservative, speak on conservative terms and speak your mind and, and be an asshole and, and talk this way and these are the comments and, you know, and, 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 and it's a man's show, you know, if you will. And I'm like, well, yeah. it doesn't have to be. I, I love women. Trust me, I love women. I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten in trouble for, for loving women in my past, you know. But but you know, it, it's 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 an all around, all encompassing love, you know, respect. Um, and I I'll be honest. In the last episode too, you know, I was talking about this. You know, I haven't always been the most respectful male because you know sometimes women allowed me to say certain things or the exactly. culture of culture allowed me to. Now at the end of the day, I'm responsible for what I said. But I wasn't always sure or aware of how I should be, how I should act. I didn't know if I could say these or sometimes, and I'm, I'm assuming other men are the same way. Like they're like, oh, am I supposed to say these things and that's what makes me popular with the other guys? Or is this what she expects me to say? Because in order to shock her and to be, you know, manly, I have to say these things. And so it's kind of a weird thing. And I'm like, I've been there before. Like, you know, I'll admit it because you know, it happened. It's, it's part of me, you know, I still have my, yeah. And I appreciate that. I don't understand the fear that people have to say instead of, uh, I think when I hear people barking out about it, then I, I hear inside of them that they've probably been guilty and they didn't want to be called on it. And so the fastest thing to do is kind of deflect it or make the, the person making the argument against that you know they're wrong or deranged or crazy or they allowed it to happen but we all learn better and know better you know it's so it's okay and i know it takes evolving as a human being to get that comfortable with yourself i mean even as human beings when you can recognize like um our willingness and an ability to embellish a story naturally and then once you become acutely aware of that then you say Oh, wait, why did I say that? That's not true. That didn't really happen. That's just kind of what I wanted to happen. So that's all we're asking you to do is say, yeah, you know, like, it's okay to say as a male, I grew up like this. And I'm a pretty dirty dick now, whatever, you know, but I get it now. Or, you know, I feel like a lot of men, and unfortunately, to me, it, it hurts my stomach a little bit thinking about that because that's not what that should be in that moment. A lot of men when they have daughters um but then unfortunately a lot of men don't change even if they have daughters um but whenever you have that epiphany it's okay to look at yourself and identify where you've been wrong and just correct it nobody's gonna hold you to that forever unless you want to hold on to it forever and be righteous yes and that's how you evolve in any that's how you grow and mature i mean but you know, just that Peter Pan syndrome that kind of happens in the military. Oh yeah. Um, well, and it's we got to get up, get away from that, and we got to be the professional fighting force that we keep telling everybody we are. Yeah, I agree. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you're a close friend of mine, you know, um, obviously, uh, Crystal's about as close of a of a female friend as I can get uh, to, but. Um, you know, that's a good one because I know she checks yeah. you every day. So I, I, um, I'm okay with like us having our own internal, um, way of talking to each other. I'm okay with with how you want to be around me or me around you, but you have to know each other. Like this doesn't come from a place of this is the culture I grew up in, so I'm gonna talk to you that way because this is the way 
I was taught, I want to talk to you in the way that's most comfortable to us, right? Yeah. I know you, if I know you and you know me, and there's a certain, uh, there's certain lines that, that you know you can't cross with each other, that's fine. Understand those, right? But for the most part, most people don't get to know each other like that. And you say these things, and at the end of the day, now you've gone three years, four years talking to each other a certain way, and neither one of you knew that neither one of you enjoyed when you crossed that line. They, in fact, yeah. they never even knew what that line was, right? Exactly. So I think for me, it's like, yes, I think you can still have those fun conversations. I get it. You know, women have, you know, their own conversations, you know, and, and men too about sexuality or whatever the case might be, right? But it, you can't force those things on people. You can't just be that person. And I think for me, the worst part about it obviously was offending anybody or hurting someone's feelings or putting them in a spot that um, they were uncomfortable. But but the other part too was that I didn't fucking know. Like I like how like how dumb must I feel that I was having a, con- a one-sided conversation, essentially, right? And I'm yeah. like, I'm the only one who thought that was an okay conversation. And you look back on it now, you're like, God, that was dumb. And then you look back back on it, and you're like, even if I wasn't taught that, like I should have known better, but you just didn't, you just weren't open. Um, yeah. I guess I don't know. It's 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 a weird. Or you one. follow the peer pressure to your environment of inclusion. Right. You just all, yeah. You, know, you you follow whoever's saying whatever, and sometimes you're the one. You're sometimes you're the leader, right? And yeah. And sometimes you're the leader, and you have all these other people. Like for me, I love. Like I said, I was the jokester. So if I made jokes, it was about anything, right, and everything. And sometimes, even if it wasn't women, just other young men or other men in general that maybe weren't as masculine and you thought, like, I'm going to make these jokes. And it's okay because I've got a thick skin, so he should probably have a thick skin too, right? But then you realize, like, oh, that was not helpful. And that young man or that that guy, you know, um, that affected that person in a a bad way. And then others saw that and they just kind of kept going. We all knew those guys that were picked on all the time. And you're like, well, they deserve it because... They're the ones that they're the outsiders. They're the ones that aren't don't want to be part of us. They're the ones that are different, so they deserve it, you know. And then, you know, I, I will admit that there were times when I did see that in in my military career, and I started to make those changes. You know, there was a guy that was super religious in our in our group, and a lot of people picked on him because he was super religious. Uh, and even though at the end of the day, some of his thoughts were actually pretty crazy because he he was. He, he didn't believe in women's rights and he didn't believe at the end of the day, I still felt bad for him because we all ended up picking on him, even though there were a lot of things about him that were just not right. Like his thoughts were just crazy. And you're like, just because he's religious doesn't mean he's he's got passion for or, or compassion for women or other people like, uh, you know, uh, uh, of their sexual orientation. Right. Like this was the, this, this was the odd thing to me. I'm like, how do you treat this person? Because they're obviously they're not they don't have great ideas they don't have good ideas they're not compassionate they don't understand other cultures but yet i don't want to bully that person either so it's a really weird concept and i really learned to balance the two of saying look i'm not going to feed into his bullshit but i'm also not going to be the bad guy right i'm not going to bully him i'm going to have a little bit more compassion and maybe if you have that compassion maybe you'll be able to have a conversation with that person and maybe you'll be able to change that person's mind right so, I mean, you know, this has been a long time coming. This is not something that's recent, especially for me. You know, I this is, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, just trying to know myself better, having kids, you know, having them, watching them grow up and, 
you know, it's been it's been a crazy journey that I know will probably never end. Um, improve yeah. shop improvement should should last forever. Definitely. So I'm gonna end this with some nice words. Um, uh, I'm gonna end this with um, a little history on Vanessa, or just a little mm-hmm. background on her, since all of it, even though Fort Hood is the dishonorable mention of the week, uh, Vanessa is the reason why we're here, why we're talking about this topic. Um, so I'll just talk about her. So Vanessa Guillen, born uh, in September on September 30th, 1999. She's originally from Houston, Texas. She got five siblings. She went to, speaking of Cesar Chavez, she went to Cesar Chavez High School, graduated top 15% of her class. She was a soccer player and an avid uh, outdoors person and loved all kinds of sports. She joined the military, uh, or the Army specifically, in 2018, and she graduated as a 91 Foxtrot, which means she is a small arms or artillery uh, repair person. So, cheers to Vanessa, you know. And her family. I hope they find justice. Mm -hmm. I hope the military starts to take these things more serious. Some changing uh, begins, especially in the culture, right? Because it all starts. This is not just a thing about murders and missing people. This is this has this goes all the way back to the culture. So first, I want to say thank you, um, Joanna, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on here, Uh, Crystal, as always. Thank you. Um, for um, Joanna Sweat, Crystal Reedy, I'm outside the wire of wire. You guys take care. You have a great day. Love Bye-bye. you all. Bye.